We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know when someone walks in the room and they have a presence about them. Why is that? It draws our attention, right? And it makes us put our awareness and our attention there. And I believe that those people have learned to access on some level their personal power, especially when it's all connected. Your mind, body, soul is all in alignment, right? There's so much aversion to being still. Just even in our Western culture and society, one that's been predicated on academia, so how much we can acquire, how much we can know, how much knowledge we can gain. This is a reason why we default to our mind and our heads. Welcome to the Coachable Podcast. Around here, we believe that life is the ultimate training ground for finding out what you are truly made of. I'm your host, Tori Gordon, high performance coach and breathwork facilitator. And each week I share intimate conversations and inspirational stories from some of the world's most successful people. It's time to stop standing on the sidelines of your life and get your head and your heart back in the game. So take a seat, grab a pen, because you're going to want to take notes as I pull back the curtain on the tools, resources, and inspiration that you need to unlock your inner champion. What's up, Coachable family? Welcome back to the Coachable Podcast, your place for spiritual and practical advice on how you can change your life and business from the inside out. I'm your host, Tori Gordon, and I'm super excited for this episode because I'm joined by Samson Danya. This is a guy I've been following for quite a while now, and every time I come across his content, it just hits me in my heart and in my spirit, and it just resonates as truth. And I know and trust that this episode is going to bring bring you so much value and insight because this man is a coach. He's a guide. He's a facilitator that's really on a mission to help people be themselves, unlock and experience their true power and experience and find wholeness within themselves. Without further ado, let's just jump into this episode and this conversation. Samson, welcome to the show. I'm excited to talk to you. Thank you for having me, Tori. Yeah, we have been struggling. I don't know what's been happening. But like, for whatever reason, the connection, the technology's given us all the issues, but we're here and that's what matters. And I'm excited to jump into this, this conversation with you because as I was just saying, like, I've been on my own personal growth and healing journey for a while now. And you and I do some similar work in terms of breath work and creating spaces for people to really go deep within themselves and act and experience their pain and and release that and move through it so that they can live freer lives. Yep. Just wondering if you can give us a little bit of background, because I just want to get to know you a little bit first here, is what's your personal path to this work looked like? How did you find it? 
And what was the catalyst for your own healing journey to start? Yeah. First thing that comes to mind is, so born in London, family moves to California and shortly after my parents separated. And that was, I would say, one of the things, one of the catalysts that began to almost shape my ego, shape my sense of self and identity in the world. The one that I would say was not healthy. So my self-image started to be built on the foundation that was rooted in not enoughness, unworthiness, which over time expanded and grew because of the environments I grew up in to really call this lack of belief in myself, lack of, you know, confidence, really, really distorted perspective on who I was in the world. So how that played out into my life, from what I can remember, it caused me to people please. It caused me to put myself last. It caused me to almost wake up feeling like I was a burden. I felt like I owed the world. I felt like I didn't deserve to be here. And I remember just that being my experience. And, you know, in some level, there was a part of me that because it was normalized in my system, it was normalized in my being that there was a part of me that benefited from that. But I got to a point where the, the price I was paying wasn't worth the reward I was getting because I would start things and not follow through, not finish. There's only so far a lack of confidence to get you. And deep down inside, there was a part of me that knew that there was something that was not being stimulated, call it my soul, call it, you know, my higher self. But there was a deeper part of me that knew that I was created for more. Mm -hmm. And I was just frustrated that that was not happening. So there was a conscious interrupting moment, you know, with my family, because we moved to the East Coast. I lived there for, I grew up there and that was like a gift and a curse. Because the event happened to my mother. She's still with us, but she was also the one that held this really, really high standard of it being her way. So I really didn't have the freedom to kind of like be curious like I was. I didn't have the, the freedom to explore or be playful in the way I wanted to be playful and ask her a question. But the moment she wasn't there and that was the gift, I started to ask different questions. And that's what started for me. Like, I think that at 17 is when I got the tap on the shoulder. 18 is when I got the tap on the shoulder that life as I knew it, life as I perceived it, life as it related to myself was different than what I was taught, different than what I was exposed to. And this started off with questions like the very simple, but big ones, who am I? Why am I here? What am I made for? What's my reason for being? I was asking these questions at 18. And that led me to certain books that I began to read. They started to deepen my knowledge and my understanding that, oh, okay, there's a lot more to life. There's a lot more to my human experience than what I was taught. One of those books, the first one was the Kabbalion, the Reinitiates, which went into the, you know, the seven universal principles and laws of the universe and Again, I grew up in the church. I was born in the church. So that was completely foreign to what I yep. was. It wasn't far-fetched mm-hmm. because again, there was this, I feel like it resides in all of us. There's this, it's kind of like what calls the tree to keep growing. Mm. Like there was that self-organized part of me that like knew like something else, like I felt it. So that book began to confirm it. And then 
graduating high school, the high school athlete, I was already working on my physical health. So the combination of reading books along with working on my physical health started to create a different kind of like self-image, if you will. And as I would do that, I always say like, for instance, working with your body is like one of the lowest hanging fruits. As I would do that, it opened up my mind to think different thoughts, you know, see things differently. And then the books evolved to seminars. And then that would deepen my knowledge and the seminars evolved to coaches. And then I got to a point where I would do all these things. I'd have peak experiences, maybe learning something new in a book, going to a seminar, having a big weekend or a big week, you know, having a coach help me see certain blind spots that I wasn't present to. And there was a lot of that that was happening and I would change my actions. I would seek to change my behaviors and habits, but I would always end up at the same place. Mm. It may look different. The faces may be different. The names may be different, but it always felt the same. So I, I noticed I was always repeating a pattern. One of those patterns were that I don't personally believe in self-sabotage, right? I personally believe that, you know, my system is seeking to protect me in a path that it wasn't familiar. So I'd always veer off in a path that was unfamiliar, even though it was going to serve a higher purpose, serve a direction I want to go in. But what was familiar for me was still believing that I was unworthy, still believing I wasn't enough. Still believing I didn't deserve what I saw. So every time I would veer and make a new decision to go in a different direction, I'd find a way to destroy it. And I just got sick and tired of that. And then eight years ago, one of my coaches, who's a dear friend, like a, like a family friend, invited me to a breathwork session. Their brother-in-law was posting it. And again, I'm curious, I'm open, I'm in the work, I'm in this space. I value personal growth. So I'm a yes. So I go. And I remember getting to this yoga studio in Santa Monica, because at this time we're living in the West Coast, living in California, and cars are blaring outside, it's noisy. And I'm like, based on what you explain, it's not, I don't really see anything Zen related here. And I trusted, right? His name was Jesse Gross, the, the facilitator. And I remember there was maybe like 12 of us on my mat, getting ready. He said content and I lay down and I begin breathing. And I remember feeling like I felt my body for the first time. Yeah. And it's so interesting because as I was doing this, my mind was going off, seeking to figure out what the heck was happening. So I'm going and I'm breathing and I'm deepening. And then 45 minutes to an hour later, I'm the last one to come out of my experience, gasping for air. And I look at my friend wide-eyed and I literally say, what the fuck was that? Because for the first time, that I could remember, I allowed myself to feel. Growing up, I was told to shut up when I was crying or I'd give you a reason to cry. Mm -hmm. Big boys don't cry. So for me, I had an understanding at a very young age that feeling was dangerous. If I fell, there's something wrong with that. And this is also not adding the collective quote unquote perspective on men and feeling. Right. So at the end of that session, I was like, what the F was that? Because I was reintroduced to my emotions in a different way. I was reintroduced to expressions that I really could, couldn't control a different way. Now, looking back, understanding now the fundamentals and 
what breath can do. It was my body finally having an opportunity to free up a lot of what I was suppressing, repressing, holding in, stuffing down consciously or unconsciously. Mm -hmm. So again, my curious self wanted to explore even more and just learning more and more about this asset, as I like to call it, this tool that was, that I was that kind of like just waving off for most of my life. Right. But it always been with you. Right. And I didn't need, I didn't need to take anything. I didn't yeah. need to drink anything. I didn't need to read anything. I didn't need to, like, it was literally, it was enough. It was an invitation for me to deepen the knowledge of myself, but also to deepen the fact that I can get to wherever I need to get to in myself with myself with mm -hmm. my own breath, with what was given to me as a birthright. Mm -hmm. So yeah, in a nutshell, that's kind of how I was introduced to breath and then obviously began to evolve into something that I believed could serve other people because I was already helping people in fitness and nutrition. I was already doing that. But again, because I, I, I value depth, there was only a certain place I was getting people. And I knew because I had experienced it, surface level results, either based on vanity or just physical was not enough. Cause I used to be someone that decided to go work out at first because it was, yeah, it's like, oh good, it's a thing to do. I want to look and good. I realized it just became another wall to hide behind. Right. Hmm. And this caused me, this helped me to get underneath why I was using my body, using other things to hide. So yeah. Wow. I mean, there's so much that I relate to and hear like myself in your story. And so I just first appreciate you sharing that. And I think it's so relatable for so many people of looking like at their childhood, looking at the way they grew up, their environments and their identities and their ego structure. And what is what are the stories that I believe yep. to be true about who I am and who I've been told that I am? Yep. And yet have this kind of internal conflict, you know, with themselves like, I want more though, and or this can't be all there is. And these questions that we start to grapple with in whatever way we come to them, but it, I, it started for me too. And who yeah. am I? Who am I? You know, my origin story and how I came to that that question is: I've always been a spiritual seeker and tried to figure out, you know, what's my place. But it wasn't until I, my family and I had to take my sister off life support, and I watched her presence oh leave her body. Right. And I, and it was this revelation of, I'm not just a body. I'm not mm -hmm. just contained here. I, I, I would experience this, mm -hmm. this transformation from one plane to the next. I, I was there, you know? And so I was like, so who am I and what am I? Because I'm mm -hmm. not just this physical entity and container. I'm yeah. so much more than that. And so that set me on this path of trying to understand, right. locate, and access that. And, you know, there is this gap that I think, and the gap that I'm talking about, I think, in some ways is where our suffering yeah. kind of lives, right. which is between our head and our heart. <laughs> and my whole life, probably pretty similar to you, I lived in my head. And I was, I was making choices from what's logical and what should I be doing? What's the right thing? And how do I be the good girl? And how do I get people to like me and all those things? And then breath work for me too was this initiation into like feeling yeah. what's true instead of trying to think my way into clarity and yeah. clear understanding, right? So 
one of the common themes for me was my first breathwork experience opened me up to power, my Mm. power, my power to just literally change my own physiology and have a different experience in my being and feel that viscerally. But I'd love to know, like, how do you define personal Mm. power? And what's your experience in working with people? Is this something we all have access to? Are people living in this? If not, what are kind of Mm. ways in which we start to access our power? It's going to be a multifaceted question, but yeah, like, how do you define that? Yeah. So power can be defined as multiple things. Think about physical power in relation to strength. You can think about, you know, mental power and, you know, our ability to, you know, compute things and utilize our minds to form and shape and, you know, make ideas real. We can think about non-physical power, right? I think it's a culmination of many different aspects of power that we all possess. But ultimately, when I think of power, what comes to me, and as I like to relate to it in my work and just in relation to myself, is the power that's connected to the aspect of us that is the expression of God. So ultimately, our creative power. Mm-hmm. I like to believe that we're created in the likeness and the image of our creator. So we're all different expressions, different iterations of what we call God. I like to call God. If we think about what God is, it's create the ultimate creator. So our power is in our ability to create. And for me, I was disconnected from that. I heard a say two or three years ago that said, most cases of suffering is a cause of mistaken identity. And I was disconnected from my power because I believed in myself to not be who I knew I was. Because I had already practiced holding this idea, this distorted perspective of myself, because that was either what I internalized from my environment, that that was what was was forced upon me, right? That was what I took on. I was living from a mistaken identity. Hence, my experience was one that just constantly experienced suffering. So I was disconnected from my power, my ability to create the life that I wanted, the ability to follow through on what was on my heart, the reason for being. And as I began to legit come to terms with the lies I was selling myself, lies I was telling myself, the lies I had bought into, that's when I started to feel my power again, right? You talked about the breathwork experience, feeling your own personal power. Again, as I like to experience that, it's like the breath is helping us come back to ourselves and we It's like in ourselves where we find, again, that aspect, as as I like to explain, of the expression of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are some indicators that someone is disconnected from their power? Like what are some of the reasons people come to work with you? And I would imagine that it might be because they're they're lacking that sense of creative power themselves. What are some of the things that might show up in our experience when we haven't been able to tap into that source? There are many stress, chronic stress, like stress in in situations and in moments where we shouldn't, and I say that quotes, shouldn't be stressing when we wear masks, right? Meaning that these are just, again, masks for coping or defense mechanisms that help us compensate for preventing ourselves from being hurt or harmed emotionally or physically when we're dysregulated in our nervous system. Again, 
all this is an aspect of nervous system dysregulation. When we've worked our entire lives to build what we thought was the thing, and then we eventually get the thing and then realize it's not the thing. Yeah. Physical illness, tension in the body. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are many, many different things. Yeah. But ultimately, it, it, what it comes down to is people not feeling at, at, like, at peace with their experience, right? Their, their peace is disturbed. They're, they're, they feel disharmonious, not just with themselves, but also with their surroundings and their relationships. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I also think you were talking about your connection from self and you, the belief systems you had around emoting and expressing, especially as a man and, yep. and feeling the need to repress what you felt in order yeah. to not get in trouble or to like be seen a certain way. And, you know, I, ex- I explain that a lot to people who feel over, I get a lot of people that come to me and they're overwhelmed yeah. right? and they don't know how to, to deal with or face or move through whatever they're experiencing. And it just feels like too much. Yeah. And they, they're almost like, resigned to life. They're just like, I just can't do anything. It's mm. too much. And I, I kind of describe it as these storms come through life, right? And you have maybe your parents get divorced, you move schools, you get your first heartbreak, even these small micro moments that are stressful, right? And they leave all of this emotional debris. Typically after a storm, you go and you clean up, but we're never taught how to do that. Yep. Especially as men, how do you, first of all, you're not even supposed to admit that there is any emotional debris. We're acting like it doesn't exist to begin with, much less to go do something about it. And then inevitably, so it just sits there and then inevitably something else hard happens and adversity comes and we're faced with something we have to, yeah. and some kind of obstacle and it just piles and it piles and it piles. And then people are like, I can't, I can't. Literally, literally, literally. And I think this is one tool that we're talking about in terms of breathwork as a way to start to clear the emotional debris. But I would love for you to kind of speak Mm. to how you came into the understanding and the freedom to express as a man. Because I have, I've got friends, you know, who I, who I hold so dear that I know are living and operating under that paradigm that I want to avoid my pain. The last thing I want to have fun and I want to be light and I want things to be pleasurable and easy. And if it's not, then it's not for me. So the moment that something like challenging or hard or uncomfortable comes mm. up, it's like run, mm. avoid, disconnect, yep. numb out, whatever I can do. And I think this is something we most all of us can relate to on some level is running from pain and pursuing pleasure. And part is our brains are designed to do that. Of course. So how do we... One, start to develop a relationship with our pain. And how did you overcome the belief systems and the contracts and the stories that tell you it's not okay yeah. to feel? Yeah. This is such a this is such an interesting question because there's a there's a there's a just juxtaposition in my relationship to pain. So at one point I use pain to avoid the pain. Mm. And because I grew up in an environment that was painful. Most of the time that conditioned my way of being to think that in order to exist, I need to experience pain, struggle, and suffering. So I was looking for ways to manufacture that. I was looking for ways to fabricate it. I was attracting those experiences into my life, but at some level, it only served as a cover up for the real pain 
that I didn't want to face. And one of the first things that I had to learn and come to terms with is before I'm a man, I'm a human being. I'm a human being. And as a human being, well, first, as a spiritual being, having a human experience, a part of my human experience and a part of my biology and a part of how I'm designed and how I'm wired is to feel. And if I'm holding myself back from my nature of feeling that, well, hence why, of course, I'm going to experience a lot of issues. Thank God I didn't take it out on people, <laughs> right? Not saying all the time, but I even, I, I remember being passive aggressive in some part of my experience because that oh, yeah. was, that was the way to get it out. But a lot of the damage was done to myself, right? So I have to learn that I was a human being first. And then as a human being, it is in my nature to feel. So the price of keeping or remaining the same was not worth it anymore. So I had to get to a place where screw what society said. Because society, even though I probably wasn't alone, society was not staying up at night. Society wasn't dealing with frustration out the wazoo. Society wasn't dealing with debilitating doubt. Society wasn't dealing with, you know, in my experience, depression. Now, obviously society was, but I'm talking about the status quo that's connected to me denying that there's something there. Yeah. So when I started to work with the breath, here's what I like to say. The breath is like a, is a tool, just like everything else. Ultimately, what I needed to do is get present. Present and not trying to fix anything, not trying to figure out anything not trying to solve anything, not trying to do anything, not trying to fix anything. No, just be present to give the space to myself, my biology, my nervous system, my younger self, my teenage self, all of who I am in that moment to express everything you just wanted to express. That's that like ultimately was it. And when I learned obviously through my experience, why I was suppressing certain emotions, or it's rooted back to safety. Yeah. Or it's not safe to be angry. It's not safe to express your joy. Yeah. It's not safe to be frustrated. So again, like the environments were just feedback for me to be like, oh, it's not okay to feel this right now. Until it got to a point where I could not be okay not feeling it. Right. Right. There are so many, I think, ways in which we are influenced in condition to believe that and yet our nature never stops being our nature and it continues to it's like the seed that wants to like burst forth and come out of the ground yet we're like continuing to just like keep it pack more and more soil on top and just like no stay under there stay under there and that is exhausting and it takes so much energy yep keep that down i remember you know i think this is one way that you just get cut off from that source of creative power because it's like Creation energy is this upward, you know, spiral and the opposite of, is like destructive. So when I push it down, I'm like in this destructive energy towards myself <laughs> and my thoughts. Yeah. And then that leaks out, that energy leaks out on people. And I say things I don't mean and I burn bridges and I am passive aggressive or I'm, I'm harsh with my words or whatever it is. Yeah. And then I, there were so many moments in my life where I'm like, why did I just do that? Yeah. Why didn't I just say that? That's not what I want. That's not how I feel. Or maybe that's how I feel in this moment, but maybe I'm angry in this moment, but really I'm one and I desire closeness mm -hmm. and intimacy and connection and mm -hmm. but I'm pushing you away or I'm 
you know, avoiding these hard things, yet it made my life unavoidably harder, right? (laughs) It's an ego too. Totally. Totally. And so I, like you, I had to learn one that like, I was also up against my, like my conditioning and that's hardwired in there. It's like, okay, this is my default is to not feel these things. Yeah. And yet when I started to access it, because I knew it was like the only way out is through. There was no, there was no outrunning it. I read, I put, posted this last night. I went to running club for the first time. Okay. My friend just started running club here. It's like a, only in Vegas. It's like a eat, drink, run club. Like you run to the bar. That's what everybody does here. But I went and then after I was thinking about this, I posted it last night is we understand this about our physical health, right? That the longer you run, the typically the more tired you become. Yep. But we don't understand that it's the same in our mental health. The longer we run, the more exhausted we get. And what it's asking us, our life, our body, our being, our soul is saying what exactly what you said is come here, be here now. You don't need to go anywhere. Be here. That's it. That's it. And I tried to run into new relationships. I tried to run to new cities. I tried to run to new jobs. And I couldn't outrun my unprocessed trauma and unresolved pain. And it's that quote is like, we're, Wherever you go, there you are. There you are. Yeah. And I love what you're saying. It's like the first thing it asked me to do is just be present to it. That's ultimately what it all comes down to. If you think of most modalities, most tools out there, at least that people are, you know, taking part in today. If you kind of would just wipe off all the, all the complexities of it, all the dressing of it, all the wrapping of it. Yeah. It's helping us get present. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And it can, I was thinking about this recently. I actually just gave a talk on presence and it's like, you know, when someone walks in the room and they have a presence about them, why is that? It draws our attention, right? And it makes us put our awareness and our attention there. And I believe that those people have learned to access on some level, their personal power, especially when it's all connected. Your mind, body, soul is all in alignment, right? And so it's felt. But it also can be missed, right? If you're not here for it, if you're not present to it, you'll miss it. You'll yeah. miss the moment. And so part a big part of this for people listening, they're like, how do I begin? How do I find yeah. my way out from under the rubble of all my emotional yeah. shit that I haven't dealt with? It's like, get, be still yeah. and listen and just yeah. sense and see what's there underneath. Yeah. Like you said, you value depth. I do too. That's why I know I resonate with you because it's like underneath the surface, the surface is where it's all chaotic. The surface is where it's all choppy. It's just like if you still and you still yourself and go deep, like that's where the quiet and the quiet is like, there's a lot there, you know? What's interesting about what you're saying too, there's so much aversion to being still. Just even in our Western culture and society, one that's predicated on that's been predicated on academia. So how much we can acquire, how much we can know, how much knowledge we can gain. This is a reason why we default to our mind and our heads. And then the very high paced need to do, 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 and do. Now there's nothing right or wrong with either of those, you know, aspects. I like to say, as long as it's not compromising or sacrificing or cutting you off from the other parts of yourself. And why I'm sharing this is because, you know, for those who were listening, it can almost seem overwhelming to know where to start. And it's like, you know, Tori saying, just be still. And I remember hearing that a lot. 
And I remember trying to be still. And I remember that was one of the toughest things ever. Because even in stillness, which could be the solution, my body could be resistant to that. If I've been conditioned to just go and do all the time, the last thing I want to do is be still. Like my everything in me is going to signal that it's a threat to be still. So what I've always found useful is honoring, honoring the conditioning. She's seeing the conditioning. That's a better word. Because there's a there's a reason why your body is protecting you from something that's even quote unquote good for you. There's a benefit. And if we force our way past seeing the benefit, well, what's going to happen is there's going to be just a temporary moment where it seems like we're shifting and changing. And it's like a friend that you've known for a long time that you develop a connection with and a relationship with that, you know, is close and you trust with your deepest secrets, all of a sudden just waking up and saying, F you, like friend's going to be confused. Yeah. I thought like, we were Wait, What did I do? Yeah. And they're going to try to come back and figure out what went wrong. This is the same thing that happens with these parts of ourselves that we just want to kick away because we're uncomfortable or overwhelmed with it. I get it and I understand, but the overwhelm and the discomfort is just data. It's just a tap on the shoulder like, hey, take a look. There's something here. It only evolves to overwhelm is because we didn't look at when it was just a, a subtle like call. Right. Totally. You know? Yeah. So like learning to be with the fact that, oh, it's difficult right now. You know, what, what, how the saying go, what, you, what we resist persists. Like being still, it's so funny because like I work with a lot of people who my work is literally getting into a space of just being present, doing nothing, becoming no one. And it's, it's so interesting to see the conditioning and wiring and trying to do that. I'm like, no, you don't have to try to allow. You don't have to try to do being still. It's just be. 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 Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because it yeah. is. It's like this culture that we grow up in. And I can't imagine, you know, like we, I'm 31. I didn't, social media is new. We didn't grow up. You know what I mean? It's not, I didn't, I wasn't a kid that was on social media like I am now. I can't yeah. imagine you know, the challenges that our younger ones and little ones are going to face because they are, they've been plugged in their entire life, you know? Sure. And so like you were saying, there's such an aversion to being still because we, as much as we call ourselves human beings, and I know this is like so cliche, but it's like, we do a lot, we do very little being and a whole lot of doing, right? And wonder why we're burnt out. Yeah. <laughs> wonder why we're stressed. Because we've also, I think, are in this like, like, psychosis that doing every the, the answer is out there somewhere mm. right that we have to get there and everybody's like oh i'm getting there you know i'm getting through it what are you getting to yeah. like you've never been in your future your future you've only ever been here in this moment <laughs> and in the next like where are you getting to just be here yeah hold that it's not productive right and so Ooh. i think there's so many especially for high performers high achievers who are who love and are kind of attached to that identity and and that served them that was one of me you know that was me i was always yeah. the straight a student the mvp of all the sports teams the performer the the, the performer was like my archetype right and yeah. it's like i've I've've had to learn that actually being still and being present and being here instead of planning and strategizing and da 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 da, da is the most productive thing i can do and that time. is different for a lot of us, like that is totally flipping it on the head. Sorry, what did you say? 
No, I was saying aligned action. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I mean, I still consider you a high performer. I consider myself a high performer. And at the same time, it's like even high perform, like what are we performing? You know, it's like, it's like even taking the time to ask, like, wait, what, what am I performing? Like, I'm not, I'm not a high performer in relation to being in my purpose. No, I'm in purpose. I'm not performing. Right. Right. That's so I'm in purpose. I'm not performing. So even that becomes a very insidious form of conditioning. Totally. It's like, it's like, it's like a spell. Oh, I have to keep performing. And it's like a show that never stops. This is why we're tired. This is yeah. why we're burned out. Yeah. This is why if you ask, quote unquote, a high performer, most high performer, how do you feel? Not what you're doing, not what you have. No, how do you feel about your life? You may because not get an answer. You may get an answer. Yeah. But if you actually take the time to stop performing for a moment, you may see that, oh, there could be a lot of disconnection. Yeah, like we're not created to perform, we're created to be. Right. And for a lot of us, the performance only stops when we, when we close the door. When nobody's watching. And no one's watching. Yep. Exactly. What do performers do? They have to perform for people. As soon as we wake up and we put it on, the show must go on, right? The show must go on. And it's been interesting, you know, it wasn't until I, you know, like my sister passed and then three mm. grandparents passed and then an uncle passed and then my mom passed. It was like, okay, shit. Like wow. there's, life is going on. Life will continue. Mm. Like it's not stopping for my grief. It's not stopping for my pain. No one, you know what I mean? They'll come and support for a little while, but then it's like you're expected to continue to perform and continue. Then, so it was interesting to like witness the way in which life and time and my, my experience and relationship to time shifted. Yeah. Because when you're just in the present moment, yeah. you completely change your relationship to time. This is, I'm so happy you're bringing this up. Yeah. What do you think about that? I'm so happy you're bringing this up. Again, there's many different ways we can look at this. So time, I'm thinking of a way to start this. So I think there is no, there's no talking about the condition of where we are collectively as a society and a lot of the issues and challenges that people are experiencing without connecting or relating that to our relationship with time, mm-hmm. right? Inside the time, there's a, I feel we're rushed because we're always looking for this place to get to. Our relationship with time is disconnected from how nature actually moves. We think it's linear, but nothing in nature is linear. There is no A to B. Everything operates in cycles, in season, everything. It's so interesting. I came back from Egypt not too long ago, November, and it was a massive reminder of how tens of thousands of years ago, how the ancient Egyptians perceived quote unquote time, right? They saw it in seasons and cycles. They have five cycles of the sun they normally found. There's dawn, there's noon, there's afternoon, which is the peak, there's dusk and there's night. These five cycles of the sun were also the five cycles of consciousness. So dawn is when we're coming into our knowings, we're waking up. It's a lot of what's happening right now, actually, collectively. And then there's noon when it's like, we're starting to kind of like, like a teenager, it's like coming into your own, 
with who you are and what you're waking up to. And then there's the peak of you, who you are, the knowledge and your experience. This is what's considered the golden age, the peak of it, right? This is when you're experiencing the fullness of who you are, like apologetically, unlimited, unleashed. Yeah. Right. At this time, I even read in a lot of my research, the ancient Egyptians, we normally have less than 10 sentences they say we have. Back then, they experienced 360 sentences. So this is the peak. And then there's a dusk. This is when we're starting to get old, elder. And then there's nights, death, darkness. Same thing for our growth cycle. We're born, we age, adult, elder, die. Same thing for the cycles of just experience. Rebirth, birth, growth, peak, breakdown, and die. Yeah. So our relationship with time, if it's not in relationship with the harmony and how nature operates, spring, winter, summer, fall, over and over and over again. And these cycles are not just micro cycles. They're cycles inside of cycles inside of the cycle. Everything operates in a cycle. If we go from a cycle to a line, no wonder where we're going to experience chefs because we're dishonoring. We're not present with the season that we're in. I'm, we're currently in winter, but I'm trying to... I'm trying to make it summer. No, we're never going to have an issue because I'm not wondering that it's time for me to shed. It's time for me to let my leaves fall off. It's time for me to allow this identity to expire. But if I'm acting like it's time to harvest, I'm confusing my consciousness. So this relationship with time, I think once we come back into harmony, with the actual time or how time is perceived in nature. Again, this connection with ourselves, you can't look too far without seeing this connection in nature. It goes hand in hand. So harmony with nature puts us back into harmony with ourselves. And I like to say nature is literally one of my greatest teachers. I look out and I learn more. I learn so much wisdom from just looking out and being out there than I could read in a book because it's real time. I'm seeing real time in action. You know what I mean? Totally. So, yeah. Totally. I love that. I have really thought about that a lot, you know, especially as it relates to my growth and my potential. You know, we talk a lot about personal growth. Yeah. And and that happens, you know, I think I've even seen a video of you and you've got some seeds in your hand. Literally. And I talk a lot about, you know, like my potential or my expression or who I am, my, my highest self, you know, we all start as a seed. Like it's yeah. like the seed of consciousness or this it's planted. And, and the yeah. thing that determines if that seed becomes a thriving, vibrant, full of life, tributing part of society or yeah. the planet yeah. is and comes down to the environment in which it's put in. Yes. And yeah, when I look outside, I see this, you know, it's like the things that are, I mean, bring a house plant in and don't water it and see how it, you know, how it, how it is. That's why there are a lot of, you know, I've got some real ones and I'm working on nurturing them and loving on them. Yeah. But it's, it's true. It, it's like our relationship to time and our relationship to our environment and, and our surroundings. And it's like, what is feeding and nourishing us? Truth. You know, because if we're not being watered, if we're not, 
there were times when I was going through the hardest shit in my life. Someone said this to me recently. He was like, you were being planted. And I was like, I get that now. I yep. get what that means. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting. This is, this is why I like being present. I value it so much. And it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. I'm not, I'm not one to preach that, oh, you know, like I'm always, like I'm always in that, in that space, but it's always a reminder to come back to that space because the question I always ask is, am I honoring what is true? Am I actually in touch with reality or am I denying it? Am I trying to distance myself from reality? And a part of like really understanding what phase or what season you're in in your life, it's a like quick equation may not be easy, but it's like asking yourself, well, what season am I in? So for you, you were in a season of probably just getting done being broken down and being replanted again for rebirth. But if we're still holding on to this, I used to earn this much money and I used to be in this position. I used to be this type of person. You're not only slowing down the progress that you can have, right? But it's also causing more stress causing more disconnection. It's literally perpetuating the lie of not being in touch with reality. We're out of touch with reality. Yeah. So presence is another way to be in touch with reality. But the thing is, depending on our capacity, again, this is all a capacity conversation. Like, do I, do I have enough capacity? Do I, do I have enough, like, do I have the container to hold the truth? Or I think another way to ask that is, do can I increase my capacity to be with what is? Well, the thing is, we also have to be aware that we're out of touch with what is to even begin increasing the capacity. I mean, just, I've, I've done it and I still have my ways that I do it just because of how we're wired. We're wired to survive. So the, the body, the brain is going to prioritize the least output as far as least energetic output to ensure our safety. So if that means not facing my stuff because it's a lot better for my body not to experience pain or preserve energy or not make it feel like it's dying, it's going to prioritize that. But it's going to take the extra edge of leaning in and being okay with the truth of knowing that, oh, I'm escaping the truth. Like there was a saying that's, yeah, the truth will set you free before it's going to piss you off. So true. Yeah. How many times have you been pissed off? A lot. You know? Yeah. So I think capacity growth begins with actually acknowledging that, yeah, we're out of touch with reality and that's okay. Yeah. There's a guy, Peter Crone. I don't know if you know him. Yeah. I love his work. And he, he likes to say, he was like, I have an intimate relationship with life, with reality. And most people have an intimate relationship with their mind. <laughs> that's another way of, wow. Yeah. I, They're not know, in relationship with life. He's like, you're not in relationship with life. You're in relationship with yourself, with your idea of yourself. When you get present, then you start to be in relationship with life. You know what I heard when you said that too? I mean, he's also saying without saying, at least from my perspective, is the, the importance of real, like how our relationship with life is very much body-based body and mind-based. Very much literally feet on the ground and not so much heads in the clouds. Like heads in the clouds are great. Also having your feet in the ground. Totally. Yeah. Right? So interesting. I've been never I've heard it so many times, but I never really saw it that way before. Mm -hmm. Mm. So I, I've been thinking about that a lot. And or it's interesting. Thinking 
says that I'm up here, but like when I'm really present that like, actually, this is where life is happening. This is where the magic is occurring. This is where yes, the creation. The growth, right. the breakthrough is happening. It doesn't happen in my future. It doesn't happen in my mind. It happens here. And and so if we can allow ourselves to come into a new relationship with yeah. ourselves in this moment, yeah. say, can I just be with this? Because yeah. so often as we, it's the story that we have associated with yeah. and we've we've put on top of our circumstance, the circumstance yeah. that we're trying to avoid or that we're trying to fix or that we're trying to control yeah. is because it's something in us is, it shouldn't be this way. Yeah. Let's change it. It shouldn't be this way. And so we're yeah. in conflict with what is. Yeah. And it's about like, can I just witness it instead of needing to make it different? Yeah. Right? And then actually it's from that energy that it transforms. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I mean, you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, for me, the the last thing I want to do, it, it it hurts, but is to see people in pain. Yeah. And there are a lot of people in pain. Uh, I don't have to see you to feel that you're in pain. And I mean, it's clear as day because of the effect in the world, the way the world was. Because it's not it's not like that. Because I know we're moving out of it. But a lot of people are in pain, and Sometimes the most painful thing you can do is be with yourself, but it is through the pain is where the freedom is. Yeah. It's through the cave we fear entering is where the light is. One of the biggest things that has helped me in my journey, like for real, for real is deepening the relationship with my darkness. There's no way I get here without dancing with my own dark, literally walking and exploring the many faces and facets of my own shadow. And as I, as I, as I've done that over the years and I've deepened my, like really deepened my relationship with that, I realized that is actually the light. The dark is the light. And we've been, well, I'm not going to speak for everybody. What I've noticed is there has been this distortion in relationship to darkness. We're born when we're in our mother's wombs, we're in the dark. We go to sleep in the dark. Like that's when your body can actually be at full rest. <laughs> that's when melatonin comes out. This is when you can, when it's dark. The universe is dark. Seed is planted in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> Seed oh. is planted in the dark. Like there's so much, there's actually so much light in the dark. And I'm using light very loosely, but there's so much positive, right. one quote, in the dark. But I also feel because of our relationship or what we've taken on about the dark is distancing us from it. In this example, when I talk about the dark, it was the parts of myself that I had demonized. Yeah. What we label as bad. Yeah. What I labeled as bad, what I labeled as unacceptable. And what I learned is trying to live a one-sided life in a two-sided world, a universe is always going to cause issues. Yeah. Yeah. So. Just that, being able to dance with my dark, I, yeah, if anything that I can attribute a lot of where I am today to that very, to that very like point, that very uh, aspect of being able to just be okay with my darkness. Do you have any practical tools or examples for ways that you've deepened your relationship to your own shadow or like started to work with it? Like, is there anything practically that people can do? Yeah. 
I mean, we're talking about breath. This is one of the ways, but here's the thing is what I've learned. This is how I've evolved my practice and my practice of other people. When I'm walking someone through a session, I'm very clear and candid. You have an intention, but the intention is not to go anywhere. If we create this space physically, but also internally, right? Sometimes someone may actually need somebody to do this with, but you say you happen to be able to be in a place where you can do this for yourself. You create this space to allow your body will reveal to you the shadow that you've been avoiding. The subconscious often doesn't have the time to come up because consciously the ego is running the show. The limbic system is fired. It's like, no. So there is no, there is no way right? For what is seeking to make its way to the service. And the, the shadows are just another way of saying subconscious. There's no way for it to surface. So in the session is literally getting to a place where someone can literally allow no one to become, nowhere to get to, no one to be, no destination to arrive at, not doing anything. Literally an environment where all of them in that moment is all they need to be. And then the second part is sourcing safety within themselves is finding a resource of safety within yourself. That's going to allow you to be able to witness what's there. Right. I've, I've done it myself, but because we discharge, let's say someone's experiencing anger and then they want to punch a pillow or yell or scream, that could be great because you discharge. It doesn't mean you actually transform it. A discharge without witnessing becomes something that eventually becomes a loop. Oh, you're going to just always need to punch a pillow or a screen or yell. That's another escape. Yeah. The work isn't truly witnessing. And here's, here's a caveat without judge. Can I be in a space to allow what my body, what wants to come up from my subconscious, from my shadows to come forward without my need to do anything with it? But just witness non-judgmentally. If there's enough safety and we can witness with no judgment, what we're doing literally at a biological level, at a cellular level, it almost seems like, wait, I'm doing nothing. Yes. But what we're doing is we're real time changing our relationship to what was once uncomfortable. Yeah. And once we're able to witness it non-judgmentally non and we're able to like see it, and let it move through how it affected us before that is not going to affect us the same way. It's like the boogeyman. Yeah. I always use this example. The boogeyman grows its power. It grows, right? It's, it, it's, it grows its intensity the more we don't look at it. But the moment you look at it, you look under the bed, it's like, no, it wasn't that bad. Now the boogeyman lost all of its power. So this repression, this tension, the shadows, these are all almost the same exact things that are just coalescing different ways and expressing themselves in different ways in our, in our experience. But ultimately it's stored energy, right? Stored emotion. What is emotion? Emotion is energy in motion. When it's not moving, that's when it becomes a challenge. So ultimately what we're doing is we're getting out of the way. We're getting out of our heads, getting into the space of the body, sourcing safety and letting what originally wanted to happen to happen, which is a completion or process of something that was too intense for us 
to complete a process when it initially happened. The cycle gets to complete. So, I mean, yeah, there are many tools, right? There are the somatics. I work with people in a very somatic level, just like you, right? There's somatic therapy, there's breath work, right? There's a trauma-informed route, but it all comes back to making sure that the environment is safe, totally. making sure that there's safety within ourselves. Also knowing that you can't really force this. I've seen this so much. I was like, oh, I want to, I want to get to this. How can I fix this? I want to, you know, I, I want to heal from this. And they're like, yes. And there's willingness and courage, but the willingness and courage to let go. And that's scary because that means that I have to release control. Yeah. And I think a lot of we, us, we come to the work and come to coaches or therapists or guide or whatever with this thing, like you were saying, that we want to change, that we want to fix or like help me get rid of this because in that alone shows us our judgment of it. Yes. And it's like, I tell people, you can't heal what you hate. Can't heal what you're willing to not accept. So good. So as long as you think it's not okay and that it's wrong and needs to change, you are in direct conflict with the ability to actually heal it and let it release. And so it is, it's about that, creating that space and then finding neutrality. It's not good or bad or anything else. It's just, it is, it just is. Just and we're just going to look crazy. at it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, you know what healing means like to heal? Mm -hmm. Literally wholeness. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. There's the part of it is it's always, even the, the uh, I'm just going to say it on record, even the, the world of healing, right? It's like, oh, we have to heal. We actually don't have to heal. The body wants to do that on its own. Yeah. It just, it has a self-organizing mechanism inside of it that always wants to come back. It just, it wants to come back home on its own. If you just like let, let the thing go insane, right? But that's where, that's yeah. where the challenge is. That's and that's what the challenge like is. nature and ourselves, we're so divinely intelligent. Like there is this wisdom that's already there. Just look at like, just we're not paying attention because we're not present. Right. You know, because the answers, they're here. They're available. And I tell people when they go into ceremony or, or just like that we work together, it's like whatever you came looking for, it's here. Yep. You can have it. It's about removing the things that's in the way of you experiencing. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with our beliefs and our judgment and our our need for it to be any other way. And Any other way. Yeah. And acceptance is an allowance. Those things, you know, for a lot of us take a long, long time to find. And some of us never do. And we live in that internal conflict our whole lives. But yeah, I hope if you're listening to this and you're feeling stress, overwhelmed, lost, disconnected from yourself, not knowing what your purpose is, like that there is a path, you know, yeah. and start with start with where you are right here, right now. If you're, you're in the car, if you're at your house or whatever, just like take a beat, take a moment and like see if you can sense and find like the part of you that's curious and the part of you that yeah. knows what you need and and give yourself the permission to give it to yourself because I don't think we ask yeah. that. It's like, what do I need? What do I need right now? And it might be, take a breath. That's a big question for a lot of people too. Yeah. Most, most of us don't know. Mm -mm. We've never been given the opportunity to even have a chance to know. Yeah. So even that can be a big deal for somebody to honor that it's okay for them to have need. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. So good. Your work is powerful. You're a powerful, powerful man. I can feel it. 
And I'm just very grateful for your work and your medicine and the way that you give that just so generously to the world and this audience. I know that we're better for it. And and yeah, I just appreciate you, my friend. I want people to know, like, how can they connect with you? Because this conversation could go on and on. When I get through, like, talking with somebody like you, I'm like, okay, we can sit here and try and solve the world's problems all day. But I want to honor your time. Where do you hang out online? How can people know yeah. more about your work? And what is what does that look like? Samsonodusanya.com, my website. I am on Instagram right now, Samson's Strength. Samson's underscore strength. Feel free to send me a message. I reply. It may not be right away, but I will get to it. Um, that's kind of where I play right now. And a lot of my work is there. I'm currently offering my monthly online virtual breath breath and somatics experience, starting my in-person events here in Austin, and then just launched, you know, my, my three month experience, which is diving into a lot of what we spoke about. So yeah, but yeah, questions, concerns, comments, feel free to DM me and looking forward to connecting. Yeah, totally. Everybody, you know, if you listen to the show, we put all this information in the show notes to make it so easy for you guys to access and get connected with Samson. You're welcome back anytime, my friend. And I just appreciate you and enjoyed this conversation and hope we'll stay connected. Thank you. Likewise, and thank you so much for having me. Totally. You know, you guys, what to do. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend. Like, subscribe, leave us a rating and review. If you do, and you take a screenshot of your rating and your review, you send it over to our team at supportatorygordon.com. We will give you free access to find your purpose workshop, which is typically not for free, but we want to give it to you as a thank you for supporting this show. Until next time, go be coachable. I love you. Peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.